Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. You're listening to The Hash Headlines on the Coindesk Podcast Network. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Welcome, everybody. It is Monday, and probably the biggest thing that everybody everywhere in markets should be paying attention to this week is the Fed is having an open markets committee and is expected to raise rates. And I strongly encourage everybody who's interested to read this piece by our colleague Amkar Godbol, who did a great rundown of all of the factors going into this meeting. Basically, we have an interesting situation where there have been some signs of cooling inflation, but there's still a lot of consensus that the Fed is going to do a 75 basis point or three quarter of a percentage point hike, which is quite a bit. And Omkar highlights uh, some interesting stuff about that sort of conflicting set of trends or indicators. And obviously, rising interest rates have implications for crypto, which is a speculative asset that could be hurt by rising rates on things like Federal Reserve notes. Lots to think about, lots of interesting signals. We could wind up a little bit under the projection. Most likely, we're going to get 75. David, for people who are just getting into crypto, maybe in the last year, they got Mm -hmm. in via, you know, NFTs or whatever, and they're just still kind of figuring out the markets, what should they be taking away from this? It's really simple and huge, which means that it's it's easy to understand, but the implications are, are hard to totally suss out. But very high level, higher interest rates, which are being pulled up to fight inflation, do have broad negative implications for speculative stocks or assets of all kinds, because the rate of return on low risk assets goes up relative to the rate on higher risk assets. And so people just pull money out of things like startup stocks or, or crypto and move some amount of it into Fed, treasuries, things like that. And so that has an impact. The other thing that I would note for people, and this is for experienced people as well, but In crypto, one thing that I've noticed over several years is whereas an equity market might be thinking ahead, perhaps people who are trading stocks kind of know the impact of these decisions ahead of time. And so they might already have priced in that change. In crypto, that doesn't always seem to happen. 
Sometimes we will get a big price change on the day of an announcement, even though that announcement was expected. So that's something else to keep in mind. Will, I'll go back to your original <laughs> question, though. You asked about inflation and, and how I see it. That's my favorite thing about being on the hash and being in Bitcoin in general is all of a sudden you become an inflation expert. And mm. the rest of these <laughs> schmucks at the Fed, they have to weigh, they have to go through tenure, you know, they have to be like an academic for 40 years, then they get to have an opinion. We don't have to deal with that, right? We can just talk about it whenever we want. So here we are. It's a win-win the power on this topic. We have. The power I know, we right? Have. It's pretty awesome, right? It's pretty awesome. 1.75%. <laughs> that's the federal funds rate as of right now. At the beginning of the year, it was much lower than that. I think it was around 0% to like 0.5%. And yeah. the Fed has increased interest rates the fastest it's done in history. So back to the 1980s is the last time we've kind of seen a similar timeline, but the fastest in history that we've seen to date. And they're continuing with that trajectory, right? Another 0.75% increase or even a 1% increase that move us to like 2.5% or 2.75%. And that's moving up the cost of money, the cost of borrow money. And for entrepreneurs out there who want to borrow more money to get their projects up, it means that you have to price in the cost of that interest going forward. But for debt assets out there, that's even worse, right? Because all of a sudden, the cost of the debt, the cost of the borrowings that you've made in the past, those things have to change. And they've changed because the macro conditions have changed. And maybe you don't have that money to pay off that interest into the future. So you have to change everything about your own product. And that's where people get into this worry about recession, right? Because if I can't pay off my debt, then maybe my business collapses, or maybe I have to lay off that person, or maybe I can't make that new investment for my business to keep working. So the Fed is trying to walk this tightrope, right? Because you have to keep the economy rolling and moving but you also want to bring down the cost of goods. And there's this connection between the interest rate and the cost of goods within the minds of many economists. And that's what they're trying to do. I don't want to lay off that person, but I want to bring down the cost of that candy bar to like a normal level so I can mm -hmm. go into a store and buy it and not have to walk out without it. Jen, I'll throw it back to you for your take. Yeah, I guess a little tidbit I want to add in here. Although we have these macro conditions that we've been speaking about from a crypto perspective, we're still dealing with... The, I guess you can call it downfall from the contagion we're seeing from Luna. There's also increased regulatory scrutiny, as we saw with the, I think it was nine cryptos outlined by the SEC in the Coinbase insider trading scheme. And so I think while there are macro conditions, there are also conditions that are very specific to the industry that is affecting the price to keep in mind. But David, I will give it to you for last thoughts. The other thing that I think ties a lot of this together is that obviously the cost of capital is one factor here, but sort of a second order that Will, I think, got, did a good job of, of laying out is the intent here, the specific reason they're doing this is to raise unemployment, which is, when you say it out loud, crazy, but that's just how this works. So the, the jobs that Will is talking about, the point is to put less money into people's hands to spend so that the inflation rate goes down. That will impact a lot of tech companies. We've already seen a lot of tech layoffs and hiring slowdowns. So that's also a factor for crypto, because obviously we rely on people having a little bit of extra income to engage in you know, some speculative investing, or perhaps you would call it something else. And so there is a factor there, too, that impacts. Episode clip from Tuesday, July 26th. This is some of the bigger news out there. Coinbase is being investigated by the SEC for potentially violating securities listings laws. Of course, Coinbase is one of the largest exchanges in the world and probably the most dominant within the United States as well. It's basically a household name at this point. 
The SEC is looking into its 200 or so coins that it has listed over the history of the exchange. Following comments uh, from Coinbase are also interesting. Their chief legal officer, Paul Grewal, said in response that we are confident that our rigorous diligence process, a process the SEC has already reviewed, keeps securities off our platform. We can look forward to engaging with the SEC on the matter. Of course, this also comes after last week's news where three individuals were charged by both the Department of Justice and the SEC for violating securities laws by uh, insider trading. Uh, David, I want to throw this one to you. This has huge implications, I should say, for just digital asset space in general, because everything runs through an exchange, right? Everything touches an exchange at some point. And so if they're going after Coinbase, this could mean so much for so many tokens that are out there. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is basically a good thing. Hopefully, I think we have a tweet from Paul Gruel, who's the chief legal officer at Coinbase. And I want to quote him directly because I think in situations like this specific terminology is important. He tweeted, we are confident that our rigorous diligence process, a process that the SEC has already reviewed, keeps securities off our platform. And we look forward to engaging with the SEC on the matter. And he uh, links to a post where Coinbase says, Coinbase does not list securities, end of story. The significant thing about that comment and about the entire context here is that just because Coinbase has a process that the SEC has had some visibility into doesn't mean that Coinbase has reliably followed that process every single time or that it, you know, just because it has a process has approval to use its own judgment. And keep in mind that it was Coinbase that just a couple of days ago, one of their former employees, I believe, got hit with insider trading charges. That was also another moment when uh, the SEC laid out a few tokens that Coinbase already listed that it basically said in that filing, it believes to be securities. Paul's tweet here, good on him for doing his job, but it's not in any way determinative of how this process is going to go because the SEC already has found parts of Coinbase's internal processes that violate according to its standards. So, you know, it doesn't really mean anything at all that Coinbase has a process. The SEC's job is to go in there and and figure out whether it was actually following the process. The other thing that I'll say, and there have been plenty of observations to this effect over the last few days, but Coinbase has really started over the last six to eight months, if not longer, scraping the real bottom of the barrel in terms of the quality of the assets that it's listing. And I do think that that plays a factor here. I mean, we're seeing them list coins with like $1.5 million total market caps, which are really just gambling to be involved in. And so I can't imagine that that does not factor into the SEC's movement here. If Coinbase is just tossing whatever it feels like up on the exchange, whether or not it like technically fits some big picture definition of security might be less relevant to the SEC than the fact that they're just exposing customers to genuinely ridiculous levels of risk. So I think that that is part of the context here as well. Jen, what do you think? Are we in trouble if the SEC starts sniffing too closely? I think that it is so hard to be in a legal department at one of these exchanges in the U.S. I think that the SEC's rules are so unclear that how can we expect anyone to abide by rules that are ever evolving and ever changing? We're talking about all of these obscure coins that Coinbase has listed, but SEC Chairman Gary Gensler has been very public about his opinion that Ethereum is in fact a security. 
And so I don't know what is going to happen next when it comes to the SEC and Coinbase. It would be a really interesting exercise to see Coinbase and the SEC go through each and every token that is listed on the exchange and and pressure test that against the Howey test. I think it might be a nice lesson to the SEC that maybe some of these things can't be applied to this rule that was created almost a century ago. And it might be the driving force that helps them create something that is more fitted to the crypto industry. Or it might just be really bad for exchanges in the US. I'm not sure. I'm not very hopeful. I'm sorry. I don't have an optimistic take on this story for the first time in a while. I don't know, Will, what do you think? Yeah, I can kind of see this story both ways, right? On the one hand, you have the SEC, which has been very slow to bring up rules. They've only really talked about Bitcoin. And some people have read the tea leaves around Ether that it also might just be classified as a commodity and not necessarily security. Past that, there hasn't been a lot of good information for entrepreneurs out there who are trying to build these tokens. They're trying to build like these new ecosystems and they sort of look like securities. On the other hand, Coinbase has been listing some very, very weird assets, just assets (laughs) nobody knows about. They don't really know what the purpose of them are. And some people have accused Coinbase of just trying to increase their revenues by listing these random coins. So I I do think that there's two sides to the story and we'll have to see what happens in court when this goes to trial or if it even meets trial, if maybe just Coinbase settles. Uh, But it has definitely implications for not only Coinbase, the largest exchange in the United States, or at least the most probably well-known exchange in the US, but also has implications for all the tokens out there and all the builders out there who are trying to make these token ecosystems. David, I'll give it to you for next story. Yeah, one last comment on the Coinbase thing. I think, Will, you're absolutely spot on that the upside here would be if builders and designers actually started paying attention and felt like there was some kind of accountability. I mean, we look at just what happened with Celsius just a couple of months ago. This is a U.S. listed and domiciled corporation that felt like it was completely okay to issue its own token and use it as part of its business model and use it as part of its financial calculations in a way that clearly was a huge problem, leaving aside even the question of securities. And I would also call out people who are over the last year have been really eager to create NFTs that generate revenue, which you're like running at 90 miles an hour into a brick wall, guys. Let's let's get it together. Come on. Episode clip from Wednesday, July 27th. That's right. We're talking about Coinbase again. We talked about them yesterday with the SEC investigation to them listing quasi-securities or possibly securities. And then the week prior, we talked about them with insider trading. Now we're talking about them with Kathy Wood's innovation funds dumping 1.4 million of their stock. Coinstock is down a little bit yesterday, but it's back up today. It's trading around 50 bucks a share or so. Why is this important? Well, Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation Fund is basically seen as like the leading tech indicator for any sort of ETF product that someone wants to put in their basket for uh, finances going forward. And they chose to pull out of this after only investing in it a few months back. I think their exposure to Coinbase is almost uh, negligible, if at all, at this point. And it used to be one of their largest holdings. Uh, so it's interesting to see them have an about face after just purchasing a lot of the stock only a few months ago. Uh, again, this comes after a few bad headlines for Coinbase with insider trading the week prior, and then this week with the SEC investigation into them. Adam, I want to throw this one over to you. Kathy Wood is obviously like a very prominent person within fintech and within 
fintech investing. People really follow along with what her fund is doing. And her dumping Coinbase stock does not look great for Coin, the stock itself. Yeah, I think that you can say a lot of things about Coinbase. And I think two things you can say about this are, one, they timed their release of the stock very, very, very well. <laughs> and, and two, that since they released it and since they had sort of, you know, hopefully some people within the company were able to get some, you know, exit out of it. But outside of that, they performed not very well. And it seems like things are going to get worse before they get better. Now, I remember when Coinbase was preparing to list, we did have uh, traditional market observers who were saying, hey, this is about 90% overpriced uh, relative to you know, what the market would typically ex expect as something like this commodifies. So this isn't you know, a huge surprise, I think, certainly to some people in the markets. But a lot of people always kind of think, you know, we have this uh, thing called recency bias, right? We think the thing that's been happening recently is going to continue to happen because it's been happening recently. And as we see with crypto markets, that tends to smack you upside the head every couple of years, no matter whether you've been here before or not. So <laughs> that's kind of the read on all of this. I think the other thing about Coinbase that's more kind of structural is, you know, they are a regulated company in the United States. And the United States has some pretty serious rules about regulation that, that really kind of control. And, you know, as we see what the SEC continues to do and whether they really do say that, hey, most of the stuff that's trading on, on uh, Coinbase is actually a security. That could cause an even bigger problem. But outside of that, just compare what they have to do in terms of compliance and in terms of all of the hoops they got to jump through compared to their biggest competitor out there, Binance, right? Binance doesn't operate in the United States and they don't operate in the United States because of those rules. And so as a result, Coinbase has put itself into a pretty significant, you know, it's, it's an advantageous position for them because they're one of the biggest publicly traded crypto exchanges. But at the same time, that has come at a significant cost to them uh, and really to any company that wants to operate inside the United States in a way that's compatible with these laws. So those are kind of the challenges that I see in front of them. Christy, what do you think? Well, far be it for me to second guess Kathy Wood. I'm not a, a markets person at all. I did sort of cock my head a little to the side and go, hmm, that seems to go against the whole buy low, sell high kind of thing. And if you look at the performance of of her fund over the last year, it's down like 44%. So I'm not entirely sure that I am 100% on board with this dumping. And I'm not sure that it makes a lot of sense. I mean, but again, I'm not an investor. I'm not a trader. I don't know that this SEC thing is going to necessarily go anywhere bad for Coinbase. I think that this is them just flexing their muscle and saying, we're going to regulate you guys by not by guidance, but by enforcement. And I think that they're going to find that they have possibly bitten off a little more than they can chew when it, it comes to diving into this. But again, I'm not a trader. I don't know. Will? Yeah. The one uh, point I want to bring a story over to actually is a nice tweet from Scott Lewis, who's a DeFi developer out there. He said, a story you won't hear, competitors listed everything and took Coinbase's market share. Coinbase tried to play by the rules, but SEC refused to collaborate and continued its policy of non-enforcement against gray zone players. Coinbase's only viable option was to force the issue. And I think that's a pretty intelligent insight into the whole situation because it is very reflective of what has happened for Coinbase over the last three years, basically since the rise of Binance, right? Where Binance starts skirting regulations, started hopping from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, basically paying and playing wherever it could for as long as it could before going to the next area. And they've grown in market share to a huge size. I mean, Coinbase used to be the biggest in the room. And now Binance is not doesn't necessarily dwarf Coinbase, but they're larger by market volume. Uh, and they have a lot more tokens on their exchange and a lot more people use Binance worldwide. 
Coinbase hasn't had that option, right? Because they chose to go very conservative, stick with SEC guidance or as best as they could guess SEC guidance was. And now they've suffered for it, right? Uh, Adam, I do want to throw it back to your point, though, about the stock price here. Like, It's very easy for us to jump on the show one morning and say, like, oh, your stock is down. Well, the real look of the situation, right? The chart goes down for a little bit, but they timed it really well and they got a nice exit. And that's the whole point for a company going public. So the early players who spent years of their life building this thing could exit with some money and move on to the next project. So I don't think just looking at this one little spotlight is like necessarily worthy of anything at this point. Uh, it is interesting to see like a confluence of all these events, however. Adam, I'll throw it to you for our last story. Yeah. So before we go into that last story, uh, Christy, I think that actually when we're talking about like the SEC and we're talking about uh, Coinbase, I actually think that they're in a worse situation because the SEC has few companies that they can really go after that are already in that regulated, publicly traded arena. So Coinbase is kind of it. So that means on the one side, if there's going to be love coming from Wall Street, then they're going to be the company that gets it. On the other side, if there's going to be, you know, like a monkey with a hammer hitting them in the head from the SEC, that's going to be coming to them as well. Is they're really the only target? Episode clip from Thursday, July 28th. Today, we're talking about Meta's Q2 earnings report and earnings call. Meta, formerly known as Facebook, of course, just disclosed that its division working on tech and hardware for the metaverse suffered losses of $2.8 billion this quarter, which brings the total losses this year to around $5.77 billion. The metaverse division, which is called Reality Labs, brought in $452 million in comparison in revenue this quarter down around 35% from last quarter. This is after it reported over 10 billion in total losses last year. This is all very bleak, guys, hang with me. (laughs) But based on where it's at now, this year's losses are set to surpass last year's losses. Again, this sounds pretty bleak, but Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg said this during the company earnings call. I think we have a little snippet of it. He said, this is obviously a very expensive undertaking over the next several years, but as the metaverse becomes more important in every part of how we live, I'm confident that we're going to be glad that we played an important role in building this. So it's a very optimistic outlook given the numbers. So I'm going to first toss it to Will for your thoughts on what he said and what all of this means. Yeah, that photo of Zuck there kind of feels like he's trying to invite us into his robotic world, right? And I don't know if I want to go myself. I will say from like an entrepreneur standpoint or like a technological standpoint, it makes sense that this is all falling apart right now. And that's part of the game, right? Look at the same thing happened in the 90s with the dot-com bust. Everyone was building all these websites. Everyone was buying whatever URL they could, just thinking that within that, you'd have your own business, right? And of course, it collapsed. But out of that came a lot of big winners that are still around with us today. Amazon's always the one people like to talk about, but there's many others, of course. And Facebook could be doing the same thing here, right? They're trying to pivot and move into the metaverse landscape with the hopes that in 10 years, 15 years, this is their product. And so right now, they're willing to spend the R&D. They're willing to spend the money on this to get themselves to this place. The question, of course, is do people want this? And will people want this in 10 to 15 years? And with the trajectory of people being constantly on their phones, constantly on Twitter, constantly on whatever social media app, it's a pretty good bet. It really is. And there's a lot of people who are using these things immersively right now. So why not in 10 to 15 years more so, right? You'd have to have some sort of reactionary or cooling period against technology 
for the bet not to work out, or it's entirely the wrong tech stack and we don't know what is next. But for Facebook to be undergoing this and spending this amount of money on it shows a high level of conviction that is actually appropriate for a founder-led company that is this large. It's actually pretty impressive. It is difficult to move these large behemoths once they get going. These corporations really just they keep plowing ahead with what they're good at. And so to see that there's like the, the leadership and tenacity behind an idea and spending this much money quarter over quarter, and you have to speak to your investors and your shareholders and tell them that you're spending this amount of money and just burning that cash for what could be nothing and could be something in 10 to 15 years, that's a pretty impressive level of conviction in my mind. Adam, I'm going to throw this one over to you for you to take. I mean, I think it's an audacious bet, right? I mean, that's really what we're witnessing here. We're witnessing probably one of the highest stakes bets that I've ever seen. Uh, And that bet is on one side that this is going to be a thing and on the other side that it's not going to be a thing, right? And so to that extent, we don't know if this is a boondoggle yet or just an incredibly like shrewd play. But it's worth noting that, you know, Facebook's other business, Facebook, has taken some pretty significant hits over the last number of years as a result of changes made to privacy laws, practices on like how Apple phones deal with this type of stuff. They used to make a lot of money off of a very stable ad revenue business mostly driven by mobile because you couldn't really avoid them. It was harder to, to avoid where to click. And now that's in large part gone away. And so they are looking for, okay, given our dominant position today, what is the thing that we should bet on in the future? Now, personally, the metaverse to me won't actually have much consumer viability until we see headset technology significantly improve from where it is. I remember watching a talk given some six or seven years ago by an executive at a company called Leap that was talking about how in the future, at this point, he was saying three years in the future, now six or seven years ago, we would basically have like Ray-Ban type, uh, you know, sunglasses that just have this technology built into them. And it becomes, you know, as easy as putting on a pair of glasses. When that happens, then I think that suddenly we're going to see a lot of this stuff change. And there are other problems too, like how do you walk around in these types of things, right? Because it's that sort of disconnection from you know, our physical bodies versus what our eyes see that cause many of the problems about that. So I think there's a lot to be kind of said about this bet, but it's very much that. It's audacious. It probably won't work. But if it does, it'll wind up being one of the biggest coups in business history. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. So if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.